Hello, hello, and welcome back to Organic Gardening for Beginners. My name is Jessica, and I am your host from the blog Homegrown Food and Flowers, and this is the show that teaches you how to grow your own farmer's market right in your backyard, full of veggies, flowers, pollinators, beauty, everything you need to make yourself happy and keep you and your family well-fed. Today we are talking about moving that summertime garden into the fall garden and some seed starting and planting tips to help you get it off the ground properly without everything shriveling up in the sun and dying because it's a lot different than a spring planting. Additionally, we'll talk about some timing tips and when to get things started because we are right in the prime time for starting fall seedlings and when it might be a little bit too late to start seeds on your own and it's better to go start looking for some transplants. So let's jump in. Okay, so let's look at the seed starting timeline in general for a fall garden. And before I do that, actually, I should review for just two seconds of a fall garden is one that... Your intention is to start seedlings and plant out seeds that you'll either harvest as a fall crop later this year, say October-ish time frame, maybe November, uh, or you'll be planting out seedlings and seeds that will overwinter, that kind of hold dormant in the garden over the colder season, and then start growing again in the spring, producing an early crop for you. I dove into a fall garden in way more depth in the last episode of why you should start one and a few things, a few easy to grow crops to start with if this is your first time with a fall garden. So if you're not sure yet of the background of a fall garden, hit pause, jump back an episode, and then come back to this one for your tips on getting started with one. Okay, so back to my first train of thought. The timeline is now, pretty much. Um, July is really the, the start of the fall garden season, and then August is the second month. September, you're really pushing it, other than for a few things like fall cover crops, radishes that grow very, very quickly or other very hardy crops that you know you're going to overwinter. So August is a great time to be starting seeds, finding transplants and getting things going that you want for that fall harvest. And the the impetus for getting things going in the ground now is that you have your first fall frost that's going to be coming up in a few months. Depending on where you live, that can happen anywhere from September and October are the most common months. If you live in a higher zone, uh, you might not even get a a real frost. You'll just get shorter days, which is going to slow down your plant growth as well. So it's a little bit, I won't say relative, but there's some nuance. There we go to when your growing season is really going to stop depending on when you live, where you live, excuse me, whether that's a dumping of snow a hard frost, or just short days and colder temperatures. If you're not sure when to expect your first frost, there are a bunch of sites that you can use to look it up. Usually you just use your zip code if you're in the U.S. And uh, the Farmer's Almanac has a really reliable one online, or there are other websites that you can look up for your area if you've got a trusted source. Point being, you need to know what this date is. For me, it looks like it's about the end of October. And I know this because I looked it up, but I also have been talking to my neighbors because every area has its own little microclimate that can influence when that date is going to happen, such as you live in the middle of the city where it stays a little bit warmer or you're out in the country where it might get a little bit colder, you know, your own property of if you have wind breaks, if you have standing water somewhere on the property, all those things are going to influence your first frost. But again, the general idea is going to help you figure out when you need to start your seeds. 
So knowing that the end of October is when I can expect my first frost, I now need to count back X amount of days according to the maturity of the crops I want to grow, or I can count back to today and count, okay, I have, you know, we'll say 90. I don't have my calendar right in front of me, but let's say I have 90 days left before my frost. That means I know that I can grow whichever types of crops will either mature in those 90 days, or if I choose the right ones that can grow big enough in the 90 days to then survive through the winter, through the cold temperatures, the the lack of daylight to continue growing in the spring and they won't get killed off. Like I wouldn't plant out a cucumber right now. Even if it matures in, we'll say 60 days and I've got 90 to go, I know that just after it starts to produce, the first frost is going to come and kill it. And for me, that's a waste of space because I've already been growing cucumbers And so I would much rather dedicate that space to something that will continue to produce for longer than a month for the rest of the year. Um, So it's use your time left in your season to choose your crops. And then within that, figure out what you want to prioritize for seed starting, for giving space in your garden and, you know, dedicating care to throughout the season. Hopefully that's that long explanation makes sense. So to just boil it down to the, the bare minimum, Find your first fall frost date online using your zip code, count back to wherever, whatever date you're listening to this at, and use that amount of days to figure out what you can still grow in this season. So now knowing that, there are a couple ways that you can extend that season if you want to. You can use something like a row cover or a low tunnel, which is basically a little mini greenhouse that you put over a single raised bed or a garden row to keep the snow or frost or heavy rainfall off of your crops. The the, uh, row covers and the low tunnels don't really increase the temperature. They're too small. But what they do is keep that inclement weather off of your plants. You would need something bigger like a high tunnel or a hoop house or um, a greenhouse in order to warm the air temperatures. But just providing that protection from the rain, the hail, the snow, that's going to buy you at least a couple of weeks into your season. So if you're listening to this a little bit later, you know, say late August, early September, and you're thinking, well, crap, I've only got 30 days before my frost or 45, whatever it is, you can plan to use a low tunnel to buy yourself just a little bit more time. And that could mean the difference between getting a kale plant up to a mature enough size that it can survive through the winter versus not. Um, So it's definitely something to Consider if you need a little more time. And again, I touched on this last week um, of how to make a very basic uh, low tunnel. It's super easy. Make PVC hoops, cover it with plastic. um, And basically, there you go. You have to weigh it down really well so that the wind doesn't take it off across your your yard. Um, But that's a good starting point. Again, super rough version, but it'll do. I should throw in a cold frame works really well as well, but this one takes a little bit more construction. Uh, A a cold frame is basically a box with an angled top that you put some sort of transparent cover on. You can use a window, you can use plastic, you can use polycarbonate. There are lots of different options that you can use, but basically it just needs to let in light and again, keep inclement weather off of your crops. So that's another option if you want to put in something a little more permanent and you've got the time and resources to build that before you really need them. There are a ton of good books about using season extension, 
whether that's row cover, low tunnel, cover, uh, cold frames. I'll link that below. It's the same book I linked last week um, about fall gardening and gardening throughout the winter. Great resource. Uh, they even have a plan in the, like a, a cut list for making a cold frame in the back of the book in the appendix. So with those two pieces of information, your first frost date and your season extension method, if you're going to use one, now it comes time to choose your right crops, the the crops that will survive in a fall garden. And I'm starting to feel like a broken record, but I did talk about this last week, and that was to mention some of the the plant families that do well in the winter, such as brassicas, like cabbage, cauliflower, broccoli, kale, mustard greens, collards. Root crops do well too, such as radish, uh, beets, carrots. Those can all overwinter. Leafy greens like lettuce, arugula, endive, mizuna, um, spinach, Swiss chard. Um, those can survive. Those ones usually need some protection because they have a thinner leaf than something like a kale or a broccoli, but they will survive the the shorter days just fine as long as they get big enough. And then for flowers, you can use cold hardy flowers such as scabiosa. Snapdragons will do very well. You can get calendulas to go into the fall, but they probably won't survive a, a heavy snowfall or like a hailstorm. Same with marigolds. Um, bachelor buttons, black-eyed Susans, lots of perennials and biennials that you can start now and plant out later this year. That's what I'm doing um, so that you get blooms that much sooner next year. So again, choose your seeds. That's your third piece of information. And then let's take that and talk about some germination tips because starting seeds in the fall, as I mentioned at the very start of the episode, is a little bit different than the spring because your weather is so different. In the spring, typically you're waiting for the soil to warm up so that your seeds will germinate because a lot of crops need soil to be 60, 70, 75 degrees, you know, give or take, obviously, before they'll germinate. For example, pepper seeds won't germinate in cold soil. They just won't. Whereas a lettuce seed won't germinate in soil that's too hot. So that's part of your crop selection of what will germinate in, in, um, in the correct soil temperature for this time of year. And then that's also your challenge to make it happen because if you want lettuce to grow through September, October, November, overwinter it, then you need to find a way to start those seeds even when it's 100 degrees outside and your soil is well over the ideal 75 degrees. So this is where I prefer to start seeds indoors. And that's honestly true for spring too because you have so much more control over your moisture, over your soil, over um, the temperature over the shade or sunlight that you give to your seedlings. Um, so germination can be a little bit of a challenge. Keeping the seeds moist is the other big challenge because things are going to dry out so much more quickly than they will in the spring, especially if you're direct sowing into the garden, unless you are sowing into a shady area or where your um, your larger crops are providing some protection from the direct sun you will need to plan to be out in the garden throughout the day, probably twice, maybe more depending on your specific garden situation, just to lightly mist the beds to prevent a crust from forming on the top of the dirt. And also once the seeds start to crack open and germinate, they cannot dry out because that'll kill them and there's no coming back from that. Once a newly germinated seed dries out, it's toast. Some Plants can wilt or, you know, look a little sad and you can bring them back, but not a newly germinated seed. It's got one shot. 
So if you're direct sowing, you need to mist the beds daily until they germinate. And even then, keep them well watered. And that doesn't mean drown them out. That just means regular moisture because that initial root is just so small that it can't dig too deep for water. So you need to have it readily available at the surface level until the taproot can reach down uh, a little bit deeper and get more water. So this is where I totally recommend drip irrigation. It makes it a lot easier to make sure that your uh, that your seeds are getting regular, even moisture, even if you can't be there to do it yourself. Okay, so now jumping over to starting seeds indoors for your fall garden. Similar to in the spring, you want to focus on the right temperature, which I touched on just a minute ago. And in this case, you want to keep your seedling trays from getting too hot to germinate because cold season crops like I mentioned, like uh, lettuce or even kale, won't germinate if the seed or excuse me, if the soil is too warm. So what I am doing is I am starting outdoors so that I can just take advantage of the natural sunlight and not need to put up grow lights, but I am putting them in the shade next to a an east-facing wall until they germinate. So that way they're not getting, you know, say direct southern sun all day where they're going to get way too hot and dry out very, very quickly. And this way they are protected If I'm finding that the soil is drying out too fast still, even being on this eastern facing area, or the sun is still too intense, that it's heating up the soil too much, then I will throw up a shade cloth to provide one more layer of protection and they should be good to go after that. Um, They will grow quickly because of the warm weather and the longer days. My goal is to have them out about four weeks after I start them, whether that is something small like a Swiss chard or a kale or um, say lettuce. And those ones are ones that I can either harvest from throughout the fall or that I know I'm going to plant again. So I will put out, say, some radish coming up here, and then I know I'm going to put in one more round after this one because they mature so quickly in about 30 days. I know I can get at least two sowings worth of radish this fall before the frost. I'm not going to overwinter radish because we don't go through that many, uh, but it's still a nice crop to have in the fall as your summer crops are winding down. On the other hand, certain crops such as broccoli or cauliflower, they need more time in the uh, indoors to grow to a mature enough size. And so those ones I will probably leave in the in the seed trays for about eight to 10 weeks before I put them out. But I also know that my goal with these ones is to overwinter them, not necessarily to harvest them in the fall. So it's okay that they won't get to their full size before the springtime, because as long as they are a mature enough plant and they have an established enough root system, then as I've mentioned, they will just kind of sit dormant over the winter and uh, so they don't need. If you're feeling a little bit overwhelmed with all these numbers and dates that I'm throwing at you, because I know it's a lot, then I have a very handy resource for you that's available in the show notes. And this is a PDF chart where I have 30 or so crops listed out along with when you should be starting them from seed indoors when you should transplant them out to the garden or when you can direct sow them into the garden and skip transplanting altogether. You plug in your first frost date, the one that you've looked up with your zip code, and then you use your calendar to count back to find that exact seed starting or planting date. It is downloadable, printable. If you mess it up, no worries, just print it again. Or if you want a couple different copies, one for your greenhouse or seed starting area or one for in your in your kitchen, 
you can print it as many times as you need to. And for me, it's working really well because let's admit it, we're busy and it's really easy to think to yourself, I need to start those seeds and a week goes by and you haven't done it yet. So if I have it on my calendar, then it is much more likely to get done. I have a calendar dedicated just to my seed starting timelines so that I don't miss any of these because the fall garden is super important to me and I want to make sure I've got it in the ground on time so that it is as productive as possible all throughout the winter into the early spring. All right, so let's say you've got your transplants, or excuse me, you've got your seedlings ready to go. It's been four weeks growing indoors or out, and you're ready to put them in the garden. A couple things I really want you to keep in mind is that hardening your your seedlings off is going to be super, super important. And this is also the case in the spring. Hardening off means acclimating your seedlings to the sunlight exposure, the temperature, the wind, whatever conditions they've been exposed to throughout their growth thus far, you need to now acclimate them to what they're going to experience out in your actual garden bed. And typically that means less wind protection, especially if you've grown them indoors or in a little mini greenhouse or up against a wall like what I'm doing, because they are going to get more wind exposure out in your garden or in your raised bed. The sunlight exposure is another really, really big one where they, again, have been more protected wherever you've been growing them, whether that's under artificial light or, you know, partly shaded. If you just take your seedling that has been growing indoors for the last month and you throw it out into the garden bed on a, in the middle of summer where it's going to get a full day's worth of sun, it probably won't make it. Uh, If it does, it's going to be super stunted, very stressed out, and it's not going to grow for a couple of weeks while it recovers and transitions. So do this work beforehand. You'll have a much, much happier and healthier garden and better experience with starting a fall garden uh, if you harden off your seedlings properly. So give it at least, at least four days, if not a week, of slowly transitioning your seedling trays more towards the garden conditions that they're going to grow in from here on out. So you can start them off in the shade the first day and then somewhere where they get dappled shade the next day, bringing them back at night to whatever conditions they've been growing in thus far. And then say the third day, you put them out where they get some morning sun and then afternoon shade. And then you slowly progress until you basically have them I wouldn't leave them sitting out in the garden because those um, the trays can dry out so quickly, but putting it somewhere where it's going to get a decent amount of sun before you fully transplant it out to the garden. Make sure that your seed trays are very well watered before you do this. And the same thing on planting day. The worst thing, one of the worst things you could do is take a dry um, seedling and put it in the garden bed without watering it because again, it will just shrivel up, it will die. And if it does survive, it will be super stunted and stressed out. So water it as well as you can without totally waterlogging it. And once you transplant it, water it again directly in the soil. So that way the soil settles into the garden bed and the seedling itself has a nice reserve of moisture to draw from throughout this first day or two in the garden. If you can, transplant in the evening. Normally in the spring, I would say transplant in the morning so that way the the seedling can get the warm daytime temperatures to kind of, you know, finish off that transition. But in this case, I don't want to put a seedling out on a 70 degree morning. No, it's going to get to 
90 degrees or 80 degrees later that day, I would rather put it out at an 80 degree evening, knowing that the temperature is going to drop to 70 degrees to kind of, again, ease that transition into being in the garden. Use your judgment on this. If you're having, you know, say a cloudy week um, where temperatures are a little cooler, go ahead and try for the morning. If you're in the middle of a heat spell, either wait for that heat spell to pass or definitely don't transplant first thing in the morning because you're just going to cook your seedlings later that day. Mulching right away is another really good way to ease the transition because it's going to hold in moisture uh, into your garden bed. So once you put those seedlings in, mulch that same day if you can, if not the next. Um, With direct sowing, this obviously won't work so well. So once the seedlings are large enough that you can kind of nestle the mulch in next to them, do that. And again, just keep your eye on watering those seeds until they are well enough established that they can draw up the water that's a little bit deeper in the garden bed for your direct sown seeds. And before, once your frost date gets closer, you can start to get those set up. For example, putting the hoops in the ground so that they're ready to go um, without actually covering them until you know, hey, I've heard in the weather or my neighbor says it's you know usually around this time or the nighttime temperatures are starting to consistently drop into the 40s then you might want to try covering them at night just in case you get a surprise uh, frost a little bit earlier than you're anticipating. But don't do it right now, especially not during the day. Again, you will cook your seedlings if you try to put a low tunnel over them on an 80 degree day. It's like putting them in an oven. So skip that until it gets closer to fall. And I'll remind you when to do this in my what to do episode that I do uh, at the beginning of every single month. So don't uh, don't stress too hard because I will give you a reminder in the coming months. Okay, that is it. That was a lot of information as always to help you keep your garden going and keep your seeds starting off strong so that your fall garden goes off with a bang. If you have questions, as always, let me know. Um, and don't forget to download your seed starting chart so that if you haven't started planting yet, you know exactly what you can get going uh, now. And if there are if there's a crop or two where you think eh, maybe the planting window has already passed, try it anyways. You know, maybe this is the year where your first frost comes a little bit later. That does happen where there's, you know, sometimes a wiggle room of a couple weeks or so. Or if that's not something you want to gamble on, then start them anyways, and then just plan to put up a low tunnel so that you can provide that little bit of season extension to get those crops going and give them enough time to establish themselves before the weather turns uh, too cold and too short of day. But it's always worth a shot. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. You compost the seedling that died or, you know, just leave it in there, throw it to your chickens if you've got them. Um, But I would always rather try to squeeze in another plant or two and not have it work out, then not try it. And then this is the year where we have an extra two or three weeks in the growing season that, you know, we didn't expect and is a nice little bonus. So give it a shot. Seeds are cheap. Um, and, uh, and it's just fun. It's just fun to see what you can squeeze in and uh, add to your table even later in the season. So next week we are talking about companion planting in the fall garden. You know me and my love for companion planting and some of the combinations that I am trying out to maximize my space Uh, for the fall so I can pack in as much food as possible and to make life just a little bit easier on those blustery days where I really don't want to go out to the garden uh, and uh, so I can get my chores done that much quicker. So I'll talk to you next week. Bye. (music) 